But we're going to ask, we're going to just talk about these two questions for three to four minutes before we start the message. What gives you life? So what are some hobbies or people or uh, places that you go that is life-giving to you? And what takes away life from you? And if that person's in the room, don't point at them. You know, use a code word. Um, but I think there's things in our life and seasons in our life where it's been hard and you've recognized what kind of gives you life and makes life good and, and what makes life flourish. And also there's things in our life that kind of takes away uh, from us as well. So I'd love for you guys just to share about that for two or three minutes and I'll come back up and we'll, we'll uh, look into God's word together. All right. Thanks for sharing. I appreciate you. Uh, hopefully you weren't alone. So when we look at life and death, I think secularly and um, from a Western perspective, it's a point in time. Either you have a pulse or you don't. Either you need CPR or your heart is beating and you're breathing, right? Either you're six feet under or you're walking. But the Jewish view of death is actually different. The Jewish view of death is degreed, meaning that someone can be alive but experience all kinds of death um, because their view of life and death is a lot more holistic than just biological. And also you could be alive and be dancing and singing and enjoying living out your calling, right? So for the Jewish um, view of life, there's life and death is the greed. Uh, one person can experience life in fullness and vitality and abundance. And another person can be alive, but be depressed, um, experience death in relationships, or experiencing death in their body. And David talks about this um, in two verses. Let's see. Oh, my clicker's, like, not okay. My clicker has died. All right, next slide. So... Um, David kind of reflects about this, and there's like the season of his life where things are going well. In Psalm 16, he says, You have made known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That sounds pretty awesome, right? And then in a, in a few um, years later, he reflects and he says, You have taken away my companions and loved ones. Darkness is my closest friend. How beautifully poetic. Darkness is my closest friend. And I think about our seasons of life um, and whether you, you get what it means to cross the spectrum, where there's parts of your life that was full, that was life-giving, and you were able to bring life to the people around you, your families, your community. You felt like it was just kind of flowing out of you. And whether there were times in your life where you struggled with whether you even wanted to live with um, the death of relationships and feeling your soul just kind of in darkness. I asked my mom for permission, and uh, she let me share her story. I remember it was 2008 to 2009 where she went through major depression. And um, it was just really hard to see my mom start losing her love for life. Um, she didn't want to hang out with friends. She didn't want to be a part of a community. And I remember her having a hard time sleeping. I would come home at 11, 12, 2 a.m. And my mom was almost like a zombie in the living room where she couldn't fall asleep. So she would just kind of wander. 
And there were moments throughout the day where I would just see her in tears and smiles and laughter seemed really far away. And if you've been in that space or you've seen someone you love be depressed, it feels like death. Maybe for some of you, you've been in that, in that place where you didn't want to leave the house, where you could sleep 14 hours and, and you still couldn't find energy, where you walked around with so much anxiety that it was crushing. Um, in the next slide, I think this is where resurrection makes sense. It says, I want to know God, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Resurrection has a special place, I think, in the human narrative because it's about things that are dead coming back to life. And Jesus does this. He embodies it. He was crucified, buried. His life came out of him. And then three days later, God raised him from the dead. And Paul is saying here that we, he wants to know the power of Jesus' resurrection. He wants to experience it. That during Easter, he doesn't want us just to acknowledge a historical event. He doesn't want us just to meditate on its implications through human history. He actually wants us to touch the power of the resurrection. He wants resurrection to happen in the dead parts of our lives. Because Jesus is alive, we can experience resurrection in our lives. We can experience resurrection in our lives. He says, I want to know Christ. And Jake alluded to this. I think the uniqueness of the Christian faith is we believe in the living Savior, that we can experience him in a, in a relationship, right? So if I was a Muslim, I could learn about Muhammad. I could read about his stories. I could know him through his teaching but I can't experience him from a life-to-life -life way. Um, I went to Jackie's grandma's funeral. Her name's Alice. I asked her for permission as well. I need to say that because my wife gets mad at me when I don't, um, which really helped me because people got angry at me when I don't as well. So anyways, I went to Jackie's grandma's funeral, and um, it was beautiful. Her, her sons were just reflecting on what an amazing mother she was. And I remember them kind of huddling together and crying and also just sharing stories of how much she supported her, them, how much uh, she gave them life and allowed them to thrive, how much she backed them in their dreams and in their aspirations. They talked about her as a leader, as just this pillar and connector for not only their family, but their whole community. And then the, the grandchildren would just talk about how sweet she was and how she would make them pancakes and uh, go to their games and just, just loved on them. And there was a part of me that really wanted to know Alice. Like I heard about her and all these stories, and I knew who she was through people who have experienced her. But there was a part of me that wanted to eat pancakes from her. There was a part of me that wanted to see how sweet she was and you know, like hold her hand and, and hear a story from her and experience her love. And 
the resurrection, when we think about the Christian faith, it's saying that God isn't dead, that Jesus isn't dead. Uh, there's, there's a part of the whole group in that funeral that just grieved. And I was grieving as well that I'll never be able to experience Alice in this life in that way. But in the Christian faith, we're saying that you can know Jesus in your relationship with him. You can hear him. You can feel his presence. You can feel life from him because he's not dead. He's alive. That because of his life, there can be resurrection in our souls and in our families and in our, in our community. And I saw that with my mom. She went through this depression, but then we as a family came around her. And my dad, um, I think when I think about him as a hero, it was this season of his, of his life that was most heroic to me. He quit his job so that he can be with her every day. He would wake up early in the morning and cook for her and make her breakfast. He would uh, take her outside on walks, even when she didn't want to go. He would gently uh, walk her around our neighborhood, walk her in the parks, and he would let her cry on him. And then I remember the rest of our family, me and my sister being with her as well, and um, there were times where we felt overwhelmed, but there were also times where we just sat and listened to her and, and told her we loved her. And then she started kind of pulling out of depression, and there was this great moment and many moments thereafter where she's trying to learn how to be funny because my mom has never been like a very funny person. And so, uh, but she's always been a great student. So she started studying like humor. So she would go through the newspaper and find jokes and cut them out of the paper and like present them to me and my sister. And of course we laughed as hard as we could muster, right? <laughs> Whether we liked the joke or not, we would just laugh really hard because my mom needed it. Um, but what I really saw her turn the corner was when she started interacting with God and really pulling into him. That every day he, she would fight to pray and talk to God in, in that really dark space and experience him there. She went on retreats where she would just kind of sit and meditate and hear the voice of God and be ministered to. And I think what really changed my mom was her knowing Jesus and experiencing his resurrection, that we experience resurrection because we fall in love and experience the love of Jesus. You see, for my mom, she understood God loved her, but I think it came from this performance mentality. She went to the best uh, high school in Taiwan. She has two master's degrees, one in nutrition, the other in Christian education, and she was an achiever. And so when she became a Christian, she wanted to achieve as well. And she kind of wanted to know what made someone a great Christian. And I'll go and do all of those things. And uh, Patrick kind of gave his resume as a Christian. Paul gives his resume as a Christian earlier in this chapter. And my mom had an amazing resume as well. She'd wake up, do her devotionals. She memorized a lot of scripture. She worked at church for 15 years. Um, she led all kinds of programs. And now in... As she left church uh, because of gossip and betrayal and went into depression, she found God's love in a new way. She found that God loved her when she had nothing to give, when she had no accolades, when she couldn't serve him, when she was in her weakest moment, 
I think God's love came through where it really became unconditional. It really became not about what she could do or what she could accomplish or what she can earn. She found God's love in its purest form, and she interacted with Jesus there. And from that space came this amazing resurrection where she had life more than we've ever seen in our family. The joy that she had went so deep and became a fundamental part of who she was. And she was just this life giver to our family, to our community. And, and it just came from this like depth. And so if you meet my mom now, you're meeting a completely different person. You're meeting someone who's been reborn. And for me, I think I sum her up as my greatest miracle. I've just never seen a miracle like my mom because I know her deeply. I know her better than almost anyone on earth. And to see someone change fundamentally is a phenomenal miracle. To see someone go from, um, yeah, from this person who is dead to someone who's constantly giving life to everyone around her is, is beautiful. I just, I get to experience her, her love and her patience and her kindness. And then recently I went to the hospital that she volunteers at. Um, and, and she just, she goes a few times a week and everyone there just like gave me a big hug for, <laughs> because of my mom, you know? They have their, their arm around her and they're just talking about how she serves people how people love her and how everyone waves at her and patients smile when she goes in and, and she's a giver of life. And I think that's what the resurrection is supposed to do. It's not only giving us eternal life, it's giving us life here. It's not only just giving, bringing us from death to life for eternity, but it's bringing the dead parts of our heart and our life to life here in these moments. Um, and I think when we know Jesus and experience that resurrection on this earth in, this, in these years, we can trust him to give us life for eternity. I went to um, Alice's funeral, and then I also got to sit with uh, my, great, my great uncle, uh, a couple weeks ago before he passed. He gave his life to Jesus at 103 years old, a few months um, before he was hit with pneumonia. And me and my mom and my dad got to baptize him um, on his deathbed and pray with him. And he put his hands together and he would nod. And he was, he was so, he so understood what it meant to, to anticipate resurrection. You know, my uncle, he's a big war hero. He's, been, he's being interviewed even, uh, even this last couple years on the news for being this fighter pilot who took down um, the enemy's planes. And he has this biography that was written about him. I, I asked my parents to bring it. And just his whole family really looks up to him. 
And I did too. He was like a gentleman and a scholar, and I saw pictures in his book with him just decked out with army medals, right? Like the president knew him. And at his funeral, people, delegates from Taiwan are being flown over to pay him respect. So I, I think about all of his accomplishments. I think about the family who loves him, his fans. But then I think about him in his deathbed at, at the threshold of death, like at that point that's closely approaching. And I think about how no one can be with him to walk over that threshold. I think about how his accomplishments and his medals mean nothing. That at this point of death, it's just you and Jesus or you by yourself. You know, that's what the resurrection means to me. It means someone is able to go through death with you. Someone is able to take the sting and the fear of death away because he's conquered it. If you really believe it, if you really believe the resurrection, it means that someone can cross over with you. And when you know Jesus and his love for you on this earth in a tangible and experiential way, when you're interacting with him face-to-face, person-to-person, when you've experienced him bring you from death to life over and over again on, in this life, there's this, there's this peace and confidence that we who know Jesus have, that the person who's most important, the person who's most powerful, the person who's most in love with you will stand with you at that door and hold your hand and walk through with you. Paul says that he wants to know Christ and know the power of his resurrection. And and that's my prayer for all of us, that it's not just a religion, it's not just a Sunday service. It's you experiencing Jesus' life, rippling through you into your families and communities. The second part of the text is a little awkward. Um, I... I'm really excited to know Jesus. I'm really excited about resurrection, but I'm not so excited about suffering and death and another word that says death, right? So I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection, yes again. Okay, and participate in his suffering, becoming like him in death, and somehow obtaining to the resurrection from the dead. Here, Paul, I think, can throw us into a loop. And, and yet, there's a lot of beauty to this as well. When you think about participating with Jesus in his suffering, Paul's thinking about all the suffering he went through when you think about Good Friday and the crucifixion. But his suffering had a purpose. His suffering brought life to others. His death brought life to others. And Paul's saying, I've experienced the resurrection in my life. I've experienced the person of Jesus to the point where I'm ready because this is so valuable, because this has brought me so much joy and so much life. I'm ready to suffer like Jesus did so that other people can have life and joy and resurrection as well. And he invites himself in to suffer, and he does. We're looking at the book of Philippians where Paul is in jail, and 
and he's suffering so that other people can learn about Jesus. And I hope that for those of us who believe, that we would be willing to suffer as well. I hope that we would be a congregation that is willing to be uncomfortable because we value the life and the resurrection of Jesus because we've experienced it. You know, I'm, I, when we launched this church, we just talked about all the time how we want to be a mission team to this community. And for me, we launched three young adult small groups uh, this last month. And the thing that I'm so most proud of is seeing all of our small groups be willing to sacrifice in order to bring life into different communities. So one of our small groups have adopted a special needs ministry where families come together and we just, we watch their kids and we're able to interact with them and love them and play games with them. And then another group this Monday, they're going out to a laundromat where we're paying for people's laundries and a lot of them are homeless or, or of low social economic status. And we get to sit with them and minister to them and look at places in which we could bring life to them. And another couple mission fields we have is this apartment community in Cal State Fullerton. And then I also think of Danny, who uh, does homeless ministry under the bridge. And we've gone out with him several times. And we're looking for a small group to adopt his ministry. He goes out um, under the 57 freeway in those big columns where the bridges cross. And people have set up tent communities there, um, people who are homeless. And Danny often shares his story. If you've gone out, many of you guys have gone out with him, how he used to be homeless, that he was in prison. And, um, and he found this resurrected life. And now he, he has this great job. He has his daughter with them. And every weekend, he, him and his daughter go out uh, under the bridge, and they just talk to homeless people and hang out with them, and give them food and clothes. And we've collected socks for them many times and gone out with him. And he's said, he said he's seen 15 to 20 people co- go out from homelessness into transitional housing. And he's able to do that because he says, hey, I've experienced the death you've experienced. I've been out there homeless. I've been hooked on drugs. I've been violent. And I've experienced resurrection in my life. And this resurrection power you can experience it too. And he's gone out and he's willing to suffer for, for that. And I think in the places of, of death that we've experienced, but God's resurrected us in, that those are the places that we can reach down with people and say that, hey, there's resurrection for you as well. That I've met people who've gone through major depression and then I've hooked them up with my mom, who is amazing. And she's sat with Um, One of the girls, especially I can think of, who's going through a hard time, and she just kind of mentored her because she's walked from death to life because of Christ. And we're thankful, God, and I pray that we would be a community that isn't just thankful, but like Paul says, I want to participate in suffering again so that others can know this resurrection. I pray for us as we go to our mission fields that we would bring life to others, Um, that we would offer Ubering people around and sitting with someone for coffee and counseling and quantum physics and and tutoring because we want to bring life to someone in all of those spaces.
pray that we would offer making meals to people. That as we're in these places, it wouldn't just be like this one-time thing, but it would be this continual sacrifice to bring life and to see life in others. Um, we love you so much, and we're so grateful, and I pray that this morning we would stand and wonder again at how your power and your life wasn't, isn't just something we observe, but something we get to partake in, something that we're changed by. And we're so grateful for our baptism as well, that we get these stories um, and we get to symbolically see and hear this resurrection power in our community, in this moment, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.